are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. It was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and now complements the work that I get to do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting company. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but first a thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation and are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their own search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, we were on the air with Dr. Mike Rucker, who is the Vice President of Technology for Active Wellness. He has a PhD in organizational psychology. We talked about his latest published study focusing on effective workplace wellness strategies and how he works with small to mid-sized companies to craft their wellness strategies. It was really quite interesting. He's got quite an informed approach that he takes. For this week's conversation, with me is Dr. John Stoker, President and Founder of Dialogue Works and the author of Overcoming Fake Talk, Creating Real Conversations That Build Relationships, Create Respect, and Get Results. John has cultivated expertise in the fields of leadership, change management, dialogue, critical thinking, conflict resolution, and emotional intelligence. We'll be talking about why it's such a challenge for most of us to have real and meaningful conversation, the work he does to help companies develop communication skills with their leaders and employees, and the meat of meaningful dialogue. He joins us today from Springfield, Utah. Dr. Stoker, it's a pleasure to have you with me. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Great to be here. Great to be here. I've been looking forward to this. I've been thinking about this conversation throughout the day, and it certainly does occur to me just how often we find ourselves stuck in this trap of fake talk. So I'm very I'm very interested and prepared to get into some real conversation with you, Dr. Stoker. Uh, so um, we'll be spending this time really talking about the importance of meaningful conversations. And I just sent out a tweet about this, by the way. It was kind of fun to hear a couple of responses back. But before we get into something meaningful, I think we should start by saying what we mean by fake talk. Okay, well, you know, people ask me, what do you mean by that? <laughs> right? And, you know, right. And, you know, and so fake talk for us is any conversation, particularly if you think you've handled an issue and then you don't get the results that you wanted, that, that tells you that you've engaged in fake talk. So, you know, sometimes fake talk is deliberate. Um, I guess a nice way to put it is it's a lie. Uh, more often than not, I think sometimes fake talk is just inadvertent. We just become we become vague. Or we get so busy or so harried in the work that we're doing that we don't give uh, com- complete directions. So people don't have the same kind of mindset about what we're asking them to do as we have. And then we don't realize that we've engaged in fake talk until after the fact, and then we don't get the results that we want. But I don't care whether it's at work or at home. We've all held a conversation with someone where we think, wow, oh, that's handled. Thank heaven. And then a week later, <laughs> right, nothing has changed. And so that's an indicator that you've engaged in fake talk. 
And you said a little something about this already, John, but I, I'd, I'd like to hear a bit more. I mean, why do we do this? I, I'm going to throw one thing in there after you respond that I, I certainly imagine contributes. You, you said a couple things, but why else do we really resort to this when it doesn't clearly produce results that we want? I think, I think there's a couple answers to that. I'm just, it happened to me this week. I have people that represent us over in China. I was out in New Mexico last week where there was kind of no way to really communicate very well, and the, the people wanted a copies of the new materials. I couldn't even get to my person that does that to put it in a Dropbox. So on Monday, the first thing I did is, all right, I've kind of emailed them and told them we'd get them this. Can we get that to them? And she said, sure. Well, it still hadn't happened as of this morning. So I and I picked up the phone because a lot of the people that work for us are virtual and just said, what's happening? And, and she said, well, why is it so important? You know, so evidently she needed a reason. And I just said, well, they've been dogging me since last Wednesday to get that material and evidently they have a class coming up and wanted the latest and greatest so they could print the materials and and prepare adequately so that they could, you know, have those materials on hand to provide for participants. And I guess I'm sorry I realized that I didn't tell you I needed it as soon as I could get it. So I'm just asking, can you do that today? And she said, well, I figured something was up when you called me twice today, so it's done. (laughs) But notice, I didn't intend to be vague. I just have a lot of things going on, and sometimes um, I think that's what happens to us. We just don't slow down and say, all right, what is it that I want? When do I want it? Um, What's the time frame? What's the guidelines? What's the specifics? And so if we're not emailing and we do it verbally, then sometimes... That's what happens. I think, on the other hand, you know, that's inadvertent, but sometimes people are just kind of afraid to basically tell it how it is, um, you know, for a variety of reasons. In fact, when I wrote my book, I did research to try to identify those reasons, and I came up with ten of them from the survey work that we did, but they wouldn't let me stick more than five in because the book was already too long. So uh, (laughs) one of the most common that we hear when I ask people, you know, why do you engage in fake talk, is that, well, I don't really know what to say. So, you Mm. know, that's an ability problem. So Yeah, that's what came to my mind, John. We don't have the skills. We need to help people understand a process and or the skills to do that in such a way that it's it's not scary for them, but, you know, and so that's kind of where we kind of try to focus. But the others are interested. The second most frequently responded to question was, "Well, I'm afraid I'll lose my job." Wow. And others follow that. So people perceive that there are consequences sometimes for telling things like it is. The third was, "Well, I really don't want to hurt their feelings." So notice that's another consequential kind of response. But then the fourth one was interesting. Well, I, I just really don't know how they'll respond. And that's the aversion for conflict resolution. People do not like conflict in general. And and so that's what that is. But the fifth one was interesting. And when we got this one, I went and looked at the demographics. And these were the folks that were millennials that said, I, don't want, I want them to like me. Mm. And so those folks often find it easier to communicate via text or email. So when it really came to actually being face-to-face with somebody, 
holding a real conversation and or giving maybe even constructive feedback, they were afraid that if they did that, then they they wouldn't be liked, and so they'd rather avoid holding the conversation entirely. Mm. If, in fact, they thought there would be some repercussions. But in a way, all of those five deal with what? Negative consequences or repercussions to the person that they perceive. And, and it doesn't matter if they don't really exist. If it exists in the mind of the person, then like they say, right, per- Perception is reality, and so if a person perceived that's what the consequences will be to them for speaking up, then I think they avoid it um, rather than doing it. This is, just as I would hoped it was going to be, John, a yummy conversation. That is very, very compelling information to be able to think about why it is that we do this. And I think having heard you say that the way that you did just makes it even more crisp for me. And I, it makes me feel like I need to be and will be more mindful about how do I go about my communication. Because I do think you're right. I think people, lose, they don't have the skill and then they, they, ha- they fear all these negative repercussions. So thank you for that very full response. Not what I expected, but very full. Thank you. I got I, I got a, I got a big bonus a twofer as we say here in Texas. Ah. <laughs> um, you know, when we talked on the phone after we had our our error, our Twitter conversation. By the way, listeners, that's how I found Dr. Stoker was on Twitter. We ended up following each other. And when I looked at his site and I saw what he did, I thought he'd make a great guest. And lo and behold, he said yes. But when we had our first conversation by phone, you you mentioned, and you've said a little bit about this already, but just to dial it in a little bit more deeper, that there are telltale signs when we fake talk. What are they? Gosh, I I guess the short answer, I'll give you the short answer, and you can tell me if you want the long answer. Okay. The the short answer is we don't get results. Okay. And second would be is that respect often is diminished or doesn't improve. And the third one is that we find that our relationships are not exactly exactly what we wanted. We, we're not building them, but we're not helping them either. So that's kind of the short answer. Do uh, okay. you want the long answer? I'll, I'll take a little more depth, sure. Okay, the long answer would be, you know, when we do work with companies, um, oftentimes fake talk leads to lack of productivity or people saying one thing and doing another, so trust is kind of challenged or... Some people are just afraid to hold people accountable, particularly if it's the poor performer. And so the leader or the manager may give feedback to everyone, hoping that the poor performer will get it, and then everybody knows they don't get it, but they're mad because they had to endure kind of the feedback that was given when they know in reality that it doesn't apply to them. Mm -hmm. Some folks just yeah, lack people skills, and then there's, Safety concerns and a lot of manufacturing sites where people won't just step up and say, look, we've got a problem with the way we're doing things. People are not following the safety protocols, so things happen. And then lack of conflict resolution skills, poor teamwork, change challenges, no appreciation, no vision, lack of employee engagement. I mean, I I could go on and on. In fact, it was interesting, a couple years ago, a leader said to me in a, director class we were holding, do we really need for you to teach us how to what you call real conversations? And I I just kind of went to the board and drew a picture of a gate on the whiteboard and said, would you agree that you guys are the gateway? And they said, what do you mean? And then on the other side of the gate, I, I listed a bunch of those elements like productivity, accountability, safety, change, appreciation, engagement, and said, just ask them, are you not the gateway for all of these to improve? 
And the guy said, got it. So, you know, if a leader or manager doesn't know how to hold the conversation around those type of topics, then things are not going to improve. Um, and so, you know, those would be some, you know, more detailed telltale signs that people are engaging in fake, fake talk on an organizational level. Okay. I was going to ask you about the kind of challenges you tend to see cropping up in organizations that might encourage that or where that's present. And you did, you beat me to the punch. Um, I like to have, be sure we talk about that because I want to make sure that our listeners get something both individually from these kind of conversations. And also, of course, organizations and, and companies can be able to use this back within the workplace as well. So you did that beautifully. Thanks, John. Great. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to get into before we get into the break already is I, um, I when I was looking at your website, thinking about what did I want to ask you and talk with you about, you you mentioned that there are eight principles that influence every conversation. I think it could be useful if we could maybe share those with our listeners. Okay. So why don't I just take them one by one and okay. maybe give a few lines to illustrate. The first one is the awareness principle, um, which is choose to be conscious. So when we talk about awareness and conversation, most people kind of don't notice what's going on until the conversation has gone awry. So there's a piece where people have to be aware of what's going on, what the other person is doing, what they're doing that may actually be um, creating what it is that they don't want to see. So awareness is one. Knowledge is the knowledge principle we just call it do to know. We don't know something until we do it. In fact, I like to say, you know, if you're not getting the results you want, that tells you two things. Either, you know, you're you're not doing what you know or you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so there's, <laughs> you know, there's one or the other, right? And so there are specific skills and a process for holding a, a real conversation that if people know it and they know the framework for doing it, it's easy. Um, and so that's the knowledge principle. Preparation, the third principle is preparation. We like to say prepare or beware. What's really interesting about preparation is is that two-thirds of our brain is hardwired negative, our unconscious and our subconscious. And so if you don't spend a minute or two, and we help people understand how to prepare, but if they don't do that, I mean, if you just didn't sit down and think, okay, who's the person? What's the context? What's the subject? How do they typically respond when we talk about this? If you don't do that, then, you know, what's going to happen is the other two-thirds of your brain is going to take over, and that's why people go to fight or flight. Um, The fourth principle is called the reflection principle, which is reflect reflections. Um, People have a style, and sometimes their style is offensive to us when we really don't intend to be offensive. So it's like people say, right, offense is taken sometimes where none is given. So the reflection principle is about understanding styles. And what's interesting is people reflect the style, but at the same time they'll reflect your style back to you. You've probably experienced this when you saw a grumpy person in the supermarket and you just smiled and said hi, and their whole countenance changes, and they go, well, hi. And they just, they just keep walking. Well, what happened? You reflected something to them in terms of a style, and they reflected it back to you. Perception is the fifth principle, and it's about being able to recognize and suspend your own thinking um, to figure out what's going on. This is not easy because this is about being open. 
and understanding um, what it is that you're doing in terms of your behavior. It's like sometimes in class I'll walk up to a person and put my hand on theirs and I'll push on their hand and they automatically push back. And so then I'll do it with words. I'll push on them and they'll push back or laughing about it. But the whole notion is, is that if you push too hard, then people push back. Well, you have to recognize how what you're doing is impacting the conversation. If you can't recognize it, then you can't stop it. Expression is the sixth principle, and that's just about expressing yourself. How do you share your message? Do you share it in such a way that allows other people to think about it and contemplate it, or do you share um, too passionately to the point that it creates resistance or defensiveness in others? Discovery is about nothing more than asking questions, so we say you ask to reveal or ask to know what's going on with the person. If we don't ask, we don't. We'll never know. So it's about asking questions to kind of further improve the conversation. And finally, the eighth principle is what we call the connection principle, and that's about listening and attending to connect. And so we teach people not only to listen to the messages that are being sent, but also to attend to the messages that are not spoken, that are non-verbally being sent as well, the ones that most of us often miss. So those are the the eight principles, and in our training, we try to make them easy by making the last four, we just call them the real skills, uh, real being an acronym for recognizing, suspend, express, ask, listen, and attend. So those Beautiful. are the principles that the book are about. Beautiful, John. Thank you so much for sharing. And you took us just right up to the break as if you were watching the clock. Thanks much for that. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Dr. John Stoker, who is the president and founder of Dialogue Works and the author of Overcoming Fake Talk, Creating Real Conversations That Build Relationships, Create Respect, and Get Results. He joins us today from Springville, Utah. We've been talking a bit about some of the meat of fake talk and some of the principles that have informed his work. After the break, we'll talk more in depth as to how he uses this when he works with organizations. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? 
Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Dr. John Stoker, who is president and founder of Dialogue Works and the author of Overcoming Fake Talk, Creating Real Conversations That Build Relationships, Create Respect, and Get Results. John has cultivated expertise in the fields of leadership, change management, dialogue, critical thinking, conflict resolution, and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So just before the break, you helped us understand those eight principles that influence every conversation that was very helpful to set, to set a nice foundation for really what's occurring when we're talking. That was very helpful. I loved what you said or found quite compelling this idea that two-thirds of our brain are wired for negativity. That was fascinating. And of course, we had that great conversation over the break about that. So many, many nuggets we're getting from you, John. Um, as we get into this next segment, I, I want to say that you know, certainly I want to acknowledge for our listeners that are sitting here leaning in and really listening to this dialogue that, of course, it's very hard to hold meaningful and real conversations about the tough stuff, especially when we have to tell a really valuable employee that there's no place for them in the organization anymore. Or maybe we need to tell a, a friend that we don't longer want a relationship with them or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever they might be. Um, and I just I guess I just want to kind of acknowledge for our listeners just really how hard this can be. Can you speak to that a little? You know, I, I thought thought about that a lot, and, and yet what's interesting is, you know, it takes real courage to tell the truth. But think from their perspective. You know, if you mentioned the employee being terminated for, wouldn't it be better if if we could give them a specific reason uh, and tell them what that reason is, so that they would understand, rather than just kind of making something up or you know, or inventing an excuse. I mean, that doesn't really help. Or if, if I wanted to terminate a relationship with a partner that I no longer wanted kind of to be with or to hang out with, wouldn't it be better to tell them, for example, that maybe they have a drinking problem or um, the way they're abusive to me? I mean, if we told them that, if we just tell them, hey, I don't want to be with you or you're out of here, they're obviously going to ask why. And... That leads us to answering in a way that is helpful, I believe, that creates value for them. And I would just say, wouldn't we rather give the gift of understanding to someone that would help them see the impact of their behavior or the lack of skills they have? Or It's, it's basically about providing an opportunity to change and improve. Uh, and if we, if we don't do that, if we just engage in fake talk, then in essence... 
kind of we, we rob them the opportunity to to grow and develop, and, and basically nothing nothing changes. But I'll acknowledge that it is difficult because of all those things that we talked about before. Gosh, how do I say it? And you know, well, I hurt their feelings, or but if you're not going to be with them anyway, and, you're, and they're leaving the organization, then why not sit down and share that with them? And of course, then you have to put together the facts. What are the what are the specific facts? Things that they're doing or engaging in that are having consequences that they may not have you know understood. So um, I don't know. Does that help? It does. And I got to say, I'm going to say two things to that, John. One is that I just couldn't help but just remember as you were describing what you just described there, there's a, a radio show program that I'm sure it's available all over the all over the place and certainly across the nation. But here in Dallas, it's, it airs in the morning about, I think it's at 830 or so. And it's I think it's called First Date or something like that. And it's a scenario where somebody calls into this radio show and says, hey, I had this really great first day with so-and-so, and I thought it was fantastic, and gosh, I can't get it. They won't call me back. And so what they, the radio show does, the radio program hosts get the other party on the phone and find out, you know, hey, what happened on that first date, and why wouldn't you go out with him or her again? And they give their side of the story, and then they ask, will you be on air and, you know, share it? And in ver- so all this time has gone on, right? All this talk about results and relationships, not what, what we want. These people have been in agony about how come they couldn't get that second date and don't know why. And the other person didn't tell them why, right? Because they didn't talk. There was no real conversation. And invariably, they get on on the air and they tell them just what you said. You know, you have really, really bad manners or you have a drinking problem or, you know, you were incredibly offensive. And they just had no idea. And you're right. Wouldn't it be such a better gift if that had been discussed maybe after the date or when they called for that second date and you politely declined, right? What a a much better service that would have been. And if it's things they can change, I mean, you know, it's like, who you know, most of us would want to change, I believe, and improve in terms of the way we interact with other people, you know, particularly if you you had a really great time and then they told you, well, actually, you know, you have a bit of a hygiene problem and Ah, oh, it was so distracting, you know. Gosh, if I heard that, I'd be devastated. But who wouldn't want to know? And you can, as you say, you can do something about that. I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brush your teeth more frequently, or whatever it is, and whatever um, it is, right? <laughs> Take a minute. That was a nice way of saying <laughs> other things. Anyway, <laughs> right? Sorry, John. You know, you never know what you're going to get with me. Um, the All other right. thing I was going to say about that, right, when you talk about this whole gift is one of the f- great fun things that I know both you and I get to do in the work that we do is for me in, in executive coaching and sometimes also in just the, the work that we do with organizations. But when you get to work with somebody one-on-one and you work with them on a level where they you're really helping them to, to raise their own sense of self-awareness and self-understanding. And when, when somebody says something like, I never saw it that way before, I never thought about that way, or no one's ever told me that before. Right. So that that real gift when you can have a real conversation with somebody about something that's meaningful to them. I really want to convey just how for me, I mean, what a privilege it is to get to have those kind of conversations on a regular basis and that how much more meaningful it makes my work. And obviously, that's the value that I add. And so I just I was thinking about that as you were talking about why wouldn't you want to give somebody the gift of a real conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Well said. 
Thank you. Thank you. This is just fun. Well, you already mentioned this earlier in the program, and I don't know if you want to say more about it, but I definitely had it that it, that I wanted to talk with you about the, the real notion, the acronym that you use on when you were with regard to helping people. And you've already mentioned it in the, in the eight principles above. Did you want to say more about that, or do you feel like we've covered that already? No, I just say that, let me just encapsulate it. You know, real is a is an acronym for recognize and suspend, express ask, and listen and attend. And Mm -hmm. what we do is teach people a variety of skills in each of those areas that help people kind of to improve. And we just may, we call them the real skills because, or the real principles, because it's easy to remember. And once people have been exposed to it, that makes it easy, easier to remember and to use. Unless you want to ask other questions, but that's why we did it. No, I think that's great. I guess what I would like to say to that, though, John, is that I just really want to remind our listeners just I hope this is encouraging to know that you real that you can learn how to communicate in a real fashion. It's not something that you're either gifted with or born with one way or the other. It's something you can learn and develop and hone over time. And I, I hear sometimes people say things like, oh, he's such a gifted communicator. I wish I could talk like that. Well, you can talk like that. You can learn to be able to speak in a much more real fashion. And I just I want to be able to reiterate that because I am a person who focuses on human development and, and change and growth. And, and I want to just hopefully give a message of hope to our listeners that, you know what, you can do this too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I spent all this time kind of researching and thinking and, and writing about. So. Well, one of the things that I, yeah, right, we've, you've spent a lot of your life working on this. Um, I guess one of the things I think about here is that so much of life is ebbs and flows, right? We Sometimes we're just running and gunning, we're doing great, we're charging, everything's going our way, and we're in sync. And then other times, maybe we start to kind of fall off off things, and we're not as, we're not as productive, et cetera. So what I think about is I can imagine it would be pretty easy to slip into some bad habits of communication when we kind of fall away from being good and in the zone of real talk. How can we recognize when we're starting to fall off track? Well, I think the the easy answer would be, well, what about all the telltale signs? That's one. Yeah. Two, okay. um, I think that whenever we start to experience a really strong emotional reaction, that's a pretty good um, indicator that we're, we're, we're off track. Um, one of the skills that we teach in awareness um, what we do is we teach that figuratively in every conversation that we hold that there's a line and that the line represents a choice that we have, either to stay below the line or behind the line, however you want to look at it. Or and when we do that, when we're below the line, we engage in forms of fight or flight, which really doesn't get us what we want in the end. On the other hand, if we're willing to move above the line, uh, into an area that we just refer to as conversational effectiveness, then you know we're much more likely to achieve what really what matters most to us. And so, in awareness, you know, we teach people to kind of notice where a conversation is and where it's headed. And so, um, and you know, there's a variety of be- behave- I guess behaviors that you would identify when people clam up or they start yelling or pounding the table or. It disintegrates to the point that people call each other names or use labels or attack each other's ideas. and That's all below the line 
behavior. And what we tried to do by coming up with that skill is just to say to people, hey, you know, it's easy to just say, hey, guys, I think we're going below the line here. Why don't we just take a breath and rewind and, and start over and see if we can make something out of this happen. The other thing I kind of like to say to folks is that your distress is the key to your success. And what I mean by that, if there are things that are keeping you up at night or things you're really frustrated or angry with, then those are the kind of things you ought to take a look at um, because those are kind of the things that are keeping you from being a better communicator. Uh, And so it's being aware of that. I I like to say that when it comes to real conversation, kind of what you were just saying earlier, is that, you know, we say it's easy for us to say, oh, he or she is such a great communicator. But the skills, like you said, are learnable. And, And I think that real conversation is deliberate. There are things to do that will help lift that conversation above the line and make sure that it's effective. But, you know, if you don't know what you're doing that's good, then the chances of repeating that when you really need to may not happen. Um, And so it's about learning specific steps, processes, and skills that you know where and how to use them, and then you use them. And you get that conversation headed where you want it to head and get get the results that you want, if that makes sense. Mm, it does. It's just lovely. And, you know, when you were talking, John, one of the things that came to my mind, this is not exactly the, the, what you're saying, but it, it occurs to me that there's some similar parallels here. And I don't know, did you watch the Grammys by any chance on Sunday? No, I did not. Okay. I don't usually, but I did this this year. And there was an interesting occurrence that happened in that Adele um, was singing a song for um, uh, Michael. I forget which what the singer's last name is who just died recently. I forget his last name. But anyway, she was singing a particular song for him um, and wanted to pay a tribute to him. And she started in like the first just few notes she was off and everybody knew it she knew it and all the audience knew it and she was so lovely john she said i'm sorry this is really important can i start over wow and and it was so cool and she did she started over and she got intentional as you said she focused herself and she knocked it out and it was just beautiful so w- when i heard you talking I, I what i got was just this notion of this is being able to say something like that stopping yourself before things go off track and and saying and acknowledging how important this is i want to i want to get this right um, so I, it's something that i heard that you were saying when you were talking did i am i right or did i catch it right or am i off yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, we wanted to make it, that little skill and awareness, we wanted to make it obvious. So when people have had the training, they can use the language. They can say, you know, hey, I think we went below the line. Everybody catches themselves and goes, okay, got that. Yep, you're right. Let's rewind on this. But, you know, if, even if people haven't had it, you could just say, hey, you know what, what's going on right now is not particularly working. Why don't we just take a breath and start over. Why don't you go first and talk about what's important to you and why. Give me some data or some facts that kind of support evidence that supports your kind of view, and then I'll take a turn and say, can we do that? Yeah, let's do it. And away you go, and it changes the whole dynamic. But once again, you've got to see it, right, to manage it. If you can't see it, you can't manage it. Well, and that was one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, John. Just We've got just a little bit of time before the, the next break here. I think about the work environment and I think about how, you know, maybe the leader is focused on really trying to have real talk and, and is certainly cognizant and aware of that. 
and is, of course, working to coach his people up to be able to have the same conversation. Maybe they've been through some of your workshops or worked with you, but of course, it's ongoing. So I would be curious to see maybe what you, how might you help a, a leader be able to communicate or recognize to somebody on his team that they're falling into fake talk or, and maybe how they can, what they can do about that. Well, if they were becoming emotional, I would try and ask them as many questions as I could immediately in a calm tone. The reason is, is that when a person is in, when they're in their amygdala is actually the term in brain science, they can't think. Right. And so when we ask questions, if they have enough rationality to answer them, they, they literally physiologically move from their amygdala to their neocortex which has the effect of reducing their emotional state. Um, if it disintegrated to name-calling and labeling, well, I could put the kibosh on that in, in a New York minute and just say, you know what, we're really not talking about the issues. Let's back it up. Uh, can you guys do that or not? If, we're, if not, then let's take a break. Um, but, we, you know, you just have to manage that in terms of not allowing people to, I guess, go below the line and engage in behaviors that are disruptive or dysfunctional and doesn't help you get where you want to go. Another thing I've found that's very useful when I'm kind of facilitating meetings that start to go like that, I'll say, can we just stop for a minute and I'd like you all to identify what's the major purpose of what we're trying to accomplish here. And that kind of sometimes lifts people Mm -hmm. out of their point of view and what they're trying to defend or push or get or win or however you want to characterize it. And it makes people focus on the broader purpose of what it is you're trying to accomplish. And sometimes that's helpful for individuals to realize that what it is that they want or think they need doesn't really kind of coincide with what everybody's agreed the overall vision or picture is that they're trying to accomplish. So there's three. Does that help? It doesn't ask any more specific questions. No, that's great, John. I'll have more to talk about after the break, but we've already come up against the next break already. It happens so fast. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Dr. John Stoker, who is the president and founder of Dialogue Works and the author of Overcoming Fake Talk, Creating Real Conversations That Build Relationships, Create Respect, and Get Results. He joins us today from Springville, Utah. After the break, we'll go into more in-depth about his earlier background, some of the work he does in, in organizations in terms of case kind of studies. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise. A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Dr. John Stoker, who is president and founder of Dialogue Works and the author of Overcoming Fake Talk, Creating Real Conversations That Build Relationships, Create Respect, and Get Results. John has cultivated expertise in the fields of leadership, change management, dialogue, critical thinking, conflict resolution, and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this last segment here, I want to get into a little bit of the work that that you do with organizations so people fully understand just how this stuff comes to life. But before we do that, John, I I hope you'll indulge me. I I just, when we were speaking on the phone the first time, I I really found your your background incredibly fascinating. And I must imagine that all those experiences that you've had inform the work that you do. I know you're the son of a judge, and you've also worked as a divorce attorney and a criminal defense attorney. Um, can you say a little bit about how these experiences maybe relate to or inform the work that you do today at Dialogue Works? Well, you missed one. <laughs> There's more? There's more? What yeah. else did I... <laughs> I was a whitewater guide in Grand Canyon for 13 years, and oh. that's how I, <laughs> wow. I paid for my schooling by working in the Grand Canyon running the rapids in the summer. Mm. And the reason I wanted to mention that is because... Um, that's where I kind of started to notice that there were real similarities in nature and conversations. For example, you know, there's a current in the river that you got to keep the boat in to successfully get downstream and navigate the, the rapids. Likewise, I believe there's a current in conversation that you be able, you need to be able to recognize and use effectively to guide that conversation in a way that would help you be as effective as you could be. So, you know, I did that. I worked for org- as an organizational kind of development guy after getting a master's in that and for a number of companies. And then I went back to school probably because I'd been programmed by my father and became an attorney for a while. 
Um, and, and that was fascinating because you learn a tremendous amount about people you know, and kind of how they see the world. And so the challenge becomes to try to help them see things from a different perspective a different in a different situation and then help them to try to make a more informed decision about the way they want to accomplish or live their lives. And then, you know, finally being able to communicate an issue in a way that um, has what I guess what you'd say what you'd be per- pervasive and credible has everyone has everything to do excuse me with creating an objective perspective in the jury so that if you're for example doing a criminal matter it creates enough reasonable doubt um, in the jury that they're going to let your client go right and so you know all both those jobs were really about human dynamics and you know, afforded a tremendous opportunity to learn things about yourself and to learn things about things about other people and learn to kind of hone your communication skills in such a way that would, you know, help you be successful in, in both those endeavors. That is tremendous. And I also appreciate how you strung all that together. And I, again, want to remind our listeners, I oftentimes hear people say that, you know, I can't possibly change careers because I, I just give up all this other stuff that I did before and what do I do with that? And But there's always a way, it seems to me, to be able to connect or thread a, a previous career to the next. There's it, it's it, One informs the other. And I think the way that you just described that is, is, is an indication of that. It's just a beautiful example of that. Yep. Well, that's what I did. Did the master's, worked for a while, went to law school, and then did that for a while, and then went back to the degree in organizational behavior and industrial psychology, and that's kind of what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And who knows what's next, right, John? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I want to talk a little bit more about the actual work that you do at Dialogue Works. You've already mentioned some of the some of the indications that there is fake talk happening in organizations. You mentioned a lack of productivity, lack of employee engagement conflict and things like that. So I have an idea maybe of why companies hire you, but I'm going to guess that sometimes they don't know why they need you or maybe just exactly what it is that you could do for them. So help us first understand when you, I know, I mean, you're just like me. I mean, we're out looking for business and then we get to serve that business, but you got to find it first. So um, why do companies hire you and what kind of stuff do you do with them? Okay. So some companies have done usually some kind of a survey, an employee opinion survey, or they've done a survey and they've identified that they're not very good at something. Things like we were talking about accountability, providing feedback, addressing accidents. And so they're looking for somebody to come in and help them learn the skills of effective communication based on that survey or based on what all the employees have told senior leadership. That's one way. Sometimes another way would be an organization um, is looking for someone to help them change their culture. So what they might want is, you know, hey, we realized, for example, the bank we worked with, they had no accountability. No one had held anybody ever accountable there. They wanted people to step up and be more open and candid not only with their manager about what was working and not working so they could improve their processes, but also with their customers. Um, and they had developed a whole variety of tools that they could offer their customers that people were afraid to talk about. 
And believe it or not, they had a hard time saying, hey, do you know everything that we offer? You know, they, oh, we can't do that. That's what the people were saying. So um, sometimes we get asked to come in and assess their culture, do what we call a culture assessment, and make recommendations for how they can improve. And sometimes those recommendations include the creation of a particular training curriculum or the use of an existing program or product that we already might have. Or a company will have done the culture audit and they have specifically in mind, they have a challenge, like I was just saying, right? Uh, the customers, the people aren't willing to talk to customers and managers have never hold, hell, excuse me, held anybody accountable. So um, we want you to increase people's ability to hold those conversations with their customers and help the managers hold people accountable in a way that's respectful and helpful and will change our results. And so we get brought in to basically address um, those kind of issues that either we've helped them identify or that they've identified. Um, and recently, we've, we've kind of developed a template of something that's quite interesting. I've been asking people lately, do you want training or do you want behavioral change? Yeah. And mm -hmm. they'll say, well, I guess we want behavioral change. And we've basically developed a whole, I guess you'd say, nest of skills and a process for using them um, that I won't take the time to talk about now, but deals with the 360 and, and other tools that uh, come with the training that we found that other training companies don't offer that uh, we've been testing for the last two years and getting some really great results with. But does that help you understand why we often get a call? Yeah, it does, John. And what would also be helpful is, if you can, obviously without giving away the name of the company or you know, giving their identity away, but it would be helpful for us to understand like maybe a case study before and after. So what was the presenting issue? What did you come in and do? And what was the change or results afterwards? Can you dig up something like that for us? I can, but I have to be real careful. So let me choose yeah. my words. Um, yeah, please do. We're working with a client right now that's part of a governmental agency. And this client um, works with um, radioactive material. And there was an accident. And uh, what we decided to do, this is, we just started our third year. What we decided to do was to form a leadership academy where leaders would be taught certain skills. And I'm not the only one in that academy, but I'm a big part of it. And so we'll come in, we've come in and taught these folks um, real, real conversation skills with the intent being of helping people work more efficiently so they can reduce rework and redundancy. So you have to be able to talk to people respectfully about what's not working and about what is working and trying to do more of it. Um, the reason that that was important is because because of the accident, the government put a hold on their being open to receiving any more material. Um, and so the whole purpose of the academy um, was to basically get people up to speed on a whole variety of leadership skills and communication skills. And um, we've been we were successful um, in doing that. They just reopened 
the first of the year, and then the academy continues. What's kind of fun that we did there was we did a dial, we did a real talk 360 there, which we offer people. So we got a real snapshot of what these folks' skills were. And then part of our 360 process, we have what we call a phone coach. Phone coach is way cool. So if you'd gone through the training, you can identify up to three people who can leave you weekly messages. And you can schedule when the phone coach calls your phone. Time and, you know, phone number, whether it's a landline or a cell phone. And you can hear those messages and there's a couple questions that assess how the person is doing. Then at three, six, and nine months out, the person can get a mini survey where we survey up to three questions from the original survey so the person can see whether they're you know, moving a difference, making a difference. And then they go through the training. They get a copy of my book. and We have a review mechanism called Cues and Do's where people get an email lesson every other week for 24 weeks reminding them to practice a certain principle and skill. There's an app that people, your listeners, could go get, a Real Talk app that's on the iTunes store or the Google Play Store, which is free, which they can use to kind of help prepare a conversation. Anyway, we put all that process in place to reinforce what it is that the person is trying to learn and trying to do so that they could internalize the concepts and learn the skills and apply them in a business setting. So, And I can, we continue to work there. So... That's an example of something that people wanted to learn those skills so they could talk about what matters most to improve their work efficiency, clean up a mess, and make sure that, you know, the same kind of safety concerns didn't repeat themselves. Is, is that the kind of thing you're looking for? Absolutely, and that was beautiful. And we're almost out of time already, John, so I want to try to sneak in two more questions real quick before we have to go. Okay. Um, as a meaning of work researcher, I always have to know how people connect with their work. What do they find meaningful about it? So what do you like about doing this work? Why do you keep doing it? Um, I, I basically love helping people improve the quality of their lives. You know, as an attorney, I was simply helping them to kind of clean up the messes that sometimes they created for themselves. Uh, and being able to do that you know, was fine. But, I, you know, I thought that if people had certain skills ahead of time, it's almost like they could learn it, internalize it. It becomes a preemptive strike against doing something that might happen in the alternative in both their professional and in their personal lives. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I also really like to try and figure out what works and what doesn't work. I love yep. to figure out skills and models and try them out, and if they work, then let's teach them to people so that they can be more effective in the way they interact with others. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Okay, great. Um, in maybe just 30 seconds, um, final words of wisdom, which you want to leave the listeners with. I would say that we make far too many negative assumptions, that we need to ask more questions of folks and then really listen to what they say. And we need to learn to dis- listen with discipline and really attend to what's going on. I think I said earlier there's the vocal messages but we don't often notice the nonverbal messages that our people are sending us, and they go unnoticed and, mis- and they become misunderstood. So I would just say that we need okay, to ask great. more Be- questions. We need to listen to each other. Beautiful way to finish, John. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show. It's really been a privilege to talk with you. You're welcome. I hope I helped somebody. You did, at least me. 
And if you want to learn more about Dr. John Stoker and the work he does at Dialogue Works, visit his website. It's dialogueworks.com. And I would also recommend that you sign up for his newsletter. It's really easy to do. You go to dialogueworks.com forward slash newsletter, and that's how you sign up. You get all kinds of interesting goodies from him that I think will be very useful to, to you. Join us next week when we talk with John Tarnoff, who is well known for his expertise in helping people over 50 reinvent their careers. We'll be talking about his book that he's just come out with called Boomer Reinvention, How to Create Your Dream Career Over 50. See you next week. Remember that work was at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.